Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Another day. Well, hi, everybody, and welcome to Riding the Wave. I'm Mark Healy, the editor-in-chief of the Wave newspaper, Rockaway's newspaper since 1893. And in the first of a series of interviews that we're going to be doing with the Queensboro candidates, uh, we're, we're joined today by former uh, Assistant District Attorney uh, Jim Quinn. Jim, welcome to the Wave. Thank you. Glad to be here. Jim uh, has been making the rounds here in Rockaway. He was at the Queen's GOP meeting uh, the other night, which will be in uh, uh, Ray Van covered for the wave, which will be in the paper on Friday. Um, but you also uh, showed up at the Rockaway St. Patrick's Day Parade. What was that experience like? Was that, was that your first time at the, at the parade? It, it actually was my first time at the Rockaway Parade, and it was, it was great. My kids have been here a couple of times in the past, but... Uh, uh, it was actually it was very energizing. It was uh, it was great. We got a great reception from the crowd. Um, we walked, marched the whole route. Uh, we started at the mass, and then we went to breakfast, uh, and we wound up at at the end. It was great, absolutely great. Much like uh, Greg Lasak when he ran for Queens District Attorney, uh, your experience speaks for itself. You know, 40 years. You know, you worked uh, at the District Attorney's Office in Queens. Uh, you, you, you tried a lot of cases. I know you worked in the homicide division. I know you were in the one of the high-ranking, um, you know, members of that of that office. Um, so I have to ask, why didn't you run for Queens District Attorney? Because you seem to be a lot more qualified than the person who's currently Queens District Attorney. Well, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a long story. I mean, I'll, I'll keep it very short. I mean. Uh, Greg Lazak and I worked together in the DA's office. We basically started together. We tried, we tried cases together. Um, I supported him in the Democratic primary, and uh, I, I worked for him. Um, and I was disappointed that he lost the race. Um, I would not run against him. I think he was an extremely qualified candidate, and he was my candidate for DA, hoping that he was going to win. So much like Joe Murray, you know, it was a decision based on loyalty, uh, you know, kind of in a sense that, you know, 
uh, I don't want to run against my friend because I think he can do a great job. Well, it's that a combination of loyalty, and I, I mean, I know that he, he had the experience. I mean, he was 14 years as a judge. He was 28 years as an assistant DA. I mean, he was he he knew the job. He was supposed to be the most qualified person to run in for that office at that time. It's just funny to me that the person who um, eventually, if, if you eventually win this race, uh, you'll be more qualified to be the DA, and the person who's the DA really should be the Queensborough president. Melinda's going to get mad at me for that, but, you know, I look, and I, I, I'm a big fan of Melinda, but the problem is is that, and, and this goes to our, our core issue, uh, with a lot of people are talking about, is bail reform. Uh, the bail reform, which was passed by people that did not even read, at least they admitted, you know, on the record, they didn't even read the legislation that they so vociferously uh, supported. So the reason that's a big deal here, Jim, and I know this is something that you're running on, the reason it's a big deal here is that they just opened up a men's only shelter on Beach 101st Street, even though the contract hasn't been signed up by the Comptroller, even though the community board has fought, fought against it. Um, you know, this is a situation where we're facing uh, 108 males only shelter uh, that was placed in the middle of an area that has over 4,000 students and teachers and staffers and families. This is a residential area where they stuck this thing. And the Department of Homeless Services has basically ignored them in there, uh, you know, uh, Allison Case, our digital editor, and myself, and Ray Van, our community editor, we worked on this story when they sent, the DHS sent us the, uh, actually we had to ask for it because nobody sent it to us, uh, their fair share report, which was full of mistakes, and completely ignored the kids. So as Queensborough president, how would you, even though the Queensborough president doesn't really have legislative power, per se, how would the Queensborough president, uh, Jim Quinn as Queensborough president, deal with this issue? Oh my God! There's so many aspects to that question. I, know. I don't know where to Sorry. begin. <laughs> um, I, I I was an assistant DA for 42 years, um, and I, I, I've got to tell you, I, I've not been involved in politics in those 42 years. Not allowed to, but I got to see how the city decides and uh, determines certain issues. And I saw it specifically with the saw it specifically with the Rikers Island. Um, uh, decision to build to close Rikers Island and build jails. That there is no real, legitimate, impartial discussion of these issues when it comes to the city, especially when it comes to the De Blasio administration. Um, I, I, I saw them print reports up that I knew were false, they knew were false. Um, I, I saw them make arguments that were specious and hollow. Uh, I saw them set up commissions that were designed to arrive at a certain result. And I saw how the city makes these determinations and decides these issues and argues their case. And quite frankly, I found it very disturbing. Um, you know, you, you want to talk about the, uh, all of these things are related. Um, uh, the, the closing of Rikers, in order to close Rikers, they have to get the population of Rikers Island down to 3,300 people. At one time, there were 23,000 people on Rikers Island. Two years ago, there were 9,000 people on Rikers Island. Today, there are about 5,500. They still have to get it down another 2,200 people in order to, to be able to close Rikers because they want to build small jails around the city. In order to do that, they, they passed, or the state legislature passed the bail reform laws. 
which are designed to reduce the population on Rikers. And it was all based on a myth, and it was all based on, I, I'll call it outright lies that the, the legislators in the city were, were posing. And the lies being that they were all transit uh, turnstile jumpers on Rikers Island, or low-level marijuana smokers, or people arrested for the first time and they can't make $500 bail. Those are all myths. We looked at every single one of those myths. We, when they were talking about hundreds of people being in jail for turnstile jumping, we ran a report. And you know, I was in the office. I was the number three person in the DA's office. We ran a report. We couldn't find a single person on Rikers Island charged solely with bail jumping. Not a single one. We couldn't find a single person charged with low-level marijuana in jail on Rikers simply because they possessed, smoked, or sold marijuana. What we found was that there were turnstile jumpers, people who got locked up for turnstile jumping, who had a gun, who had an open warrant. And they went into jail on the gun or the open warrant. And they were making this argument that there were all these people in j on Rikers who shouldn't be there. So the state legislature then passes these laws that were designed to reduce the population on Rikers. And when they did that, the population on Rikers started to come down. They, they actually started releasing people back in October and November of last year because they didn't want the spectacle of a thousand people walking out of Rikers Island on January 1st, which is when the war became effective. So hundreds and hundreds of people walked out of Rikers Island and they were all, well, they were uh, we ran a report on the, the people who walked out, and they had an average of 15 prior arrests and eight prior convictions. So these are not just people locked up for, you know, their first offense or petty larceny or something like that and being held in Rikers. These are career criminals, and they let them go, um, and they let them go with very little supervision. So now, what happens to a lot of these people? You know, a lot of these people are in jail or were in jail um, because they couldn't make bail that was set by a judge. And one of the reasons they couldn't make bail is because their families didn't want to post the bail for them, because some of these people were problem children in their own families, among their, their uh, relatives, their parents. So these people come out of Rikers. Many of them have mental issues or chemical dependence, um, uh, alcoholics, drug addicts. They come walking out of Rikers, and there's no supervision of them once they're out. And they have no place to go. And where do they go? They go to the homeless shelters. And, you know, it, somebody who has a mental illness who's on Rikers at least is supervised and they get medication and they're given their medication every day and it controls them to an extent. Drug addicts can't get drugs for the most part <laughs> in Rikers. Alcoholics can't get alcohol in, in Rikers, so they're under control. But once they were released, once these bail laws took effect, these people went out and there's no control, there's no supervision, there's, no, there's nobody making sure they take their medication. And they became problems in the homeless shelters, which makes it even more difficult to cite these homeless shelters in various neighborhoods. And that's, that's one of the problems I have with, with the city of New York. This is how they decide things. This is how they, how they determine things. It's not based on reality. It's not based on statistics. It's based on a radical, progressive ideology that is... It, 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 it simply ignores reality. And that's so how, how as Queensborough president, you know, as I said, which doesn't have a, you know, any kind of legislative power, mm -hmm. you know, it, it, it's some people would argue that it is a, you know, kind of um, simply a political post, you know, something that, you know, kind of a figurehead type of situation. 
but then I see that the person who was the last Queensborough president is now the Queen's DA. So it's not, and let's be honest, if you put the right person in that, in that position, uh, whether it be their gravitas, whether it be their ability to make a speech, whether it be their ability to work uh, you know, within the city government to get things done, uh, the Queensborough president can, you know, any borough president can be effective. You know, Scott Stringer, what I believe was the Manhattan borough president, if my bad memory uh, recollects. So, I, I guess my point is, is that how will you use your law and order background to enhance your ability to be an effective Queensborough president? Okay, I, I think there there are two things. One, I, I have the law and order background, and if, if, there, if there is one major issue facing the people of, of New York City and Queens today, it's the, the effects of these bail reform laws and the closing of Rikers, which is increasing crime in New York City. Crime, crime in New York City went down over the past 25 years. It went down every year. They passed these bail laws, released these people from jail, and crime is up 20% in New York City. And it's going up in the crime categories where they release people. They released every single car theft from Rikers Island on January 1st. Car theft went up 64% in New York City. That's unheard of. It's unheard of in any city to happen in one year. Burglaries are up, robberies are up. These are all categories for which judges can no longer set bail and defendants are released. And all those, uh, all those crimes went up. Crime on, on the, uh, the subway is up 34% over last year. We're no longer prosecuting turnstile jumpers. And, and, and it's just, I, I think the borough president can, a, a, an effective borough president on one aspect, can make legitimate fact-based, statistic-based arguments on these issues and bring those issues to the, the people, which is one of the reasons I'm running. And the second part of it is that uh, I was just not a pro I was not just a prosecutor. I was also an administrator of an office of 320 assistant DAs, uh, and I was the number three person in the office. And during our tenure, and Judge Brown, God bless him, uh, was one of the, the finest men I've ever known, uh, and the best district attorney that this county will ever see. We were able to make the Queens County District Attorney's Office the most efficient and effective DA's office in the state and it was widely respected throughout the state. And we did that by bringing in innovative procedures within the office and backing it up with statistics. We would always, any new program that we put in, we would check it out statistically to make sure that what we were doing was, was improving the quality of the criminal justice system. And as a borough president, it, it, I know it's not a legislative post, but it can be a very effective bully pulpit. And right now, there is nobody arguing the way I am against the closure of Rikers and against these bail laws. And I will be—I will hold them to, to making effective changes in the bail laws, not just, you know, around the edges, around the margins, but to make force them to do it effectively. And I know what statistics can measure whether or not they're doing that. So one of the things that have come up. Uh, over the last couple of months um, is our Community Board 14 um, is a passionate group. They are a very involved group. Uh, their committee meetings are really, really not to be missed. Uh, I, I'm a big fan of a lot of the people that I've worked with over my uh, almost six years now at editor, as, as editor of The Wave. And 
one thing that really resonates is this issue of community boards, uh, especially community board 14, um, not being heard by the Queensborough president. And, you know, specifically with Edgemere Commons and how the board made all these recommendations. The board was not, CB14 was not against Edgemere Commons, but they had a lot of recommendations, which, which, you know, as we covered in the wave, we thought were very reasonable. And yet, uh, one of the last things that uh, the Queensboro uh, president did was kind of agree to them, but then when the plan went forward, none of them were taken into account. So, you know, one of, one of, at one of the meetings, uh, John Corey, who's a member of the CB14 executive board, basically asked the Queensboro president candidates to sign a uh, declaration that they would, you know, they they would abide by community board 14 recommendations. So, as a candidate for the Queensboro president position, uh, how do you feel about uh, how these community boards, uh, what they're saying, and especially specifically? CB14, will you abide by their recommendations? Oh, here's the issue. This is what the, the city has been doing for quite some time. And, you know, I, I, I'm going to hearken back to uh, uh, Board 9, uh, which is where Rikers Island is being housed. They voted unanimously not to approve the jail being built in Kew Gardens. Um, and I worked very closely with them. I, I spoke to them. I, I spoke at their uh, public meetings. I spoke at their executive meetings uh, about the closing of Rikers. Um, I, I spoke at various meetings in, around the city, uh, the mayor's office, the Lippman Commission against the closing of Rikers, on behalf of the district attorney. And the city completely ignored the, the wishes of Community Board 9. And it, it's not like Community Board 9 was being irrational or unreasonable in what they wanted to do, but the city wanted to do what they wanted to do and completely ignored the wishes, the, the unanimous vote of the, of the uh, uh, Community Board. And that's happened all over the city now. It's happening with the air train in, in LaGuardia. Uh, the city is even the city and state are trying to find ways to go around planning uh, uh, to go around the community boards. And I think that's a mistake. You know, if, if you if you don't give the community boards great deference in what recommendations they make, well, then what's the point of having them? Uh, you know, and and you know the um, it's one thing if the if the board is a narrow vote. If it's you know a close vote, right? That's one thing, but if the board is unanimous in the decision, or there are only a, a couple of minor dissenters, then I think that that recommendation has to be given extreme deference by the by the borough president and by the city, and I don't think that's happening. And this city, um, the, the 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 mayoral administration, the, uh, the the various commissions that they they draw up to decide these issues are ignoring the, the wishes and recommendations of the planning boards and I think that of the, of the community boards and I think that is terrible and I think that's wrong. When you decide, because you pretty, you, you kind of got into the race a little later than some other folks uh, who had, I mean I, I was talking to people uh, months and months ago uh, that they were um, considering a run for Queensborough president. And not only are you facing kind of that late entry, but you're also facing uh, you know, the fact that you have two serving count people on the council in Donovan Richards and, and Costas Constantinidis, 
as well as Elizabeth Crowley, who's pretty popular in Queens, you know, given her standing as a former councilwoman and, you know, someone who has been uh, a, 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 around a lot in the Rockaway community. Uh, somebody asked me recently, uh, you know, who do you think is doing well? And I, that does that. I don't do that. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I offer my opinion off the record, and I say to myself, well, you know, uh, I want to wait until I speak to each candidate first, one on one, and ask them the questions that I need to ask. But let me ask you, um, as an ADA, you're like an umpire in a lot of ways. You know, people don't know who the umpires are; they know who the players are. But now an umpire, in my estimation, a really good umpire, has gotten into this race with players who have name recognition. So how does Jim Quinn, you know, former ADA, how does Jim Quinn kind of fight that? You know, how, how do you run against, you know, people who are well-known and, and actually end jobs uh, that are being term-limited and looking for their new job? Um, <laughs> how, how, do you, how, do you, how do you, you know, combat that? I mean, well, I mean, that's a good way to put it, that these are people in jobs who are looking for new jobs because it's been term limited out, or they're looking for the next rung on their political ladder. I, 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 I'm not a politician. Um, you, you know, you talk about um, uh, Liz Crowley being popular. I mean, she lost her councilmanic race because of Rikers Island and homeless shelters. Uh, and th those are the two main issues that were used against her when she lost the councilmanic race to Bob Holden. Donovan Richards and Costa Constantinides have been around for for a long time in the city council, and you know what 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 I try to say to people is if you're happy with the way this city is going, if you think you're better off today than you were four years ago in New York City alone or two years ago, then vote for one of these people who's responsible for that. But I don't think the city is going in the right direction. I I, I see everything just reverting back to the chaos of the 80s and 90s. There are more homeless on the street. Crime is up. The, the quality of life is going down. You get on the subway and people are jumping turnstiles left and right. I mean, I went in one day and it was, it was ridiculous. I was wondering why people were even bothered to pay. And, you know, that, that's my fear. I, I got into this race because it's not like I, I wanted a career in politics. You know, as an ADA, we're not, we couldn't be involved in politics for 42 years. I got involved because I was upset with the way, not just the decisions that were being made, but they were being made for illegitimate reasons. And it bothered me so much that I, I, I had to get in the race. We've got, you know, we, we got into this race late, but we've had over a thousand, uh, almost a thousand people contribute to our campaign. We filed 8,000 signatures to get on the ballot when we only needed 2,000. I see that the energy and the excitement among people I, I've never met They've never met me, but they hear my, my message, and they are very, uh, they're, they're thanking me on the street, and I, I'm almost embarrassed by it. But we have to do something in this city to get the city back on the right track. I don't want to see it go back to the, the 80s and 90s. I was there as an assistant DA. I saw what happened, and I saw what happened in neighborhoods, and it, it's not just... It's not just you know crime itself, but crime diminishes the quality of life. It, you know, you, you can talk about you know increased parking, but you know what good is a parking spot if your car is going to be stolen? You know when you get out, or or you know we, we we want better schools, but if your kid can't get to school without being mugged on the street, you know what does that do? It, it causes people to move out of the city, and that just diminishes the quality of life. And that's why I'm running. And and so I'm I, I'm different from them because I'm not. Um, I, I'm not 
I'm not part of the political machine. I, I'm, I'm not a politician. I'm not involved in, in you know, speaking to this group and telling them this because they want to hear this. Uh, when I talk to people, I tell them what I believe, and and I give them reasons for why I believe it. And I I, I want to get an honest, intelligent, rational debate about these major issues facing the people of this county. One last thing, and specifically uh, to Rockaway. Um, there's a lot of entrepreneurs here in Rockaway, people who are big believers in uh, creating their own product, creating their own success. Uh, as Queensboro president, how would you, uh, especially, like, especially specifically in Rockaway, that is this, you know, for every advance we seem to make, you know, the city throws us another curveball. Uh, you know, I used to be a sports writer. I use a lot of baseball metaphors. Um, you know, they throw us another curveball, and then you know, you have people like Dee Tuberty. You have people like you know that are uh, the Tuberty family that are building the Rockaway Hotel. Um, you know, they're going to need uh, the support of not just New York City, not just the state, but they're going to need support by people like the Queensboro president to make sure that they can you know, run a business and, and have the support of the borough so that they can, you know, have events and, and bring people in and, and not have obstacles put in their path to their success. So just speaking to the business community and not so much, uh, you know, the big businesses, because I know you are, you're on the record, you want to bring big businesses like Amazon, mm -hmm. uh, you know, to the table mm -hmm. and, and to create that kind of opportunity in the borough. But specifically to Rockaway, that depends on it, on its mom and pop businesses. That depends on its, you know, um, cultural uh, entrepreneurs that are coming in and doing these little pop up uh, kind of businesses that people here love. I mean, people here love. Like you here on Beach 129th Street, you know, you have a bunch of different businesses right. that people love to. You know, you have the Harbor Light over on uh, over on the Avenue. Um, people just want to live in a community like Rockaway, be able to, you know, walk to work, be able to, you know, take advantage of this wonderful ocean oceanfront community. How would how can you as Queensborough president make their lives easier? I think you know, one of the biggest things that you can do for any entrepreneurs uh, is to leave them alone and let them run their businesses. Um, you know, I, I looked up something the other day and just as an example, if, if you wanted to, if you want a restaurant and you wanted to put a, a bistro table outside your restaurant and they figured that that would increase your, your revenue by about 25% just having tables outside on the street. In order to do that, um, you can't just make an application to the city, but you have to hire a landscape architect to draw sketches of how you're going to do that. That's, that's a completely added expense that is really totally unnecessary. And you know the city has so much regulation and uh, uh, rules and, and obstacles against opening new businesses and maintaining new businesses. The taxes in New York City are, are ridiculous. Property taxes are ridiculous. There are so many things that the city can do, can not do, actually, uh, to help businesses. Um, I, I think the ferry is a great, uh, great boon to business out here in Rockaway. I've taken it a couple of times. We usually eat at the wharf and then drive into drive to the ferry and then take it down to the South Street Seaport and walk around. Those types of things are great. That, that's what the city should be involved in. It, 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 the more micromanaging the city does, the worse it is for the, the people in, in any, any business district. 
Well, Jim, I'm looking forward to uh, moderating the debate next week. I'm looking forward to you taking part, and uh, it was great. Thank you for making the time to come in today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.